Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 80, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join me as I continue on this reading from Hosting His Presence. Uh, Tonight we are in chapter 5, and it is titled, The Restoration of Your Garden. Genesis 2 verse 10 states, A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. The river flowed out of Eden. Eden is the place, and there was a garden. I used to think it was one place, but a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. The garden's growth and success were dependent upon the river. What does Eden mean? Delight. God put the man in the garden to work and keep it. The garden is a type of original intention. It was God's original intention for man to work from the garden. The garden represents fellowship and purpose with the Father. It is a place of growth and peace. Not peace in the sense of no conflict, but rather, it cannot be shaken, for it is firmly planted by the hand of the Lord. Eden is a land from which a river flowed into a garden for man to tend. God's delight flowed into the garden where man was placed. It was God's delight to place Adam in the garden, but it was Adam's to tend. From God's delight flows a river that waters the place in you that is dry and needs growing. It's his delight to water that garden in us, and we are to tend that place. We are to steward it, It is his river, and he is the waterer. However, we yield to it and receive its benefits. Jesus said, It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12, 32. All I have is yours, said the father to the upset son. Luke 15, verse 31. When will we see that it's the Father's delight to give us all things. What fullness we have in Jesus. In Him dwells the fullness. Colossians 2 verse 9. I'm here to call forth gardens to spring to life. I call forth your garden, the heart that is restored to original intention in communion with the Father is what he seeks. He seeks relationship, not an assessment of how well we adhere to the law. He wants to know you, and he wants to know me. This is eternal life, that they may know you, 
the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John chapter 17. As our hearts are restored to the Father, rivers begin to flow from our hearts that transform the landscape around us. No power or evil can stand in the river. We host the very presence of God. What evil, what sickness, what fear, and what brokenness can stand in the presence of our God? None. I am here to call you into that deep place of submission with the Father. Surrender that deep and dark place to the Father. Let Him come and transform every broken part as He stretches His arms wide to receive you into Himself. Allow Him to transform every dry and barren part. The river of life restores that which was dead and barren. When I worship the Father, I ask, What can I bring you? What could I offer the God who has all, is all, and is in all things? What do I have to offer the God who created all things? What do I have to bring? The only thing He desires from us is our heart, our affection, and surrender. Restored relationship is His pursuit. Just close your eyes and turn your affection toward Him now. Let this sink in deep. The God of the infinite universe wants your heart. Think about where He came into your story. Think about how He pursued you through all your shame. Think about how He pursues you even now in your shame. He desires to put His throne in our heart, the only thing we can give. Our devotion and affection foster that relationship with Him. When a relationship is built, rivers of life begin to flow, watering our internal garden and the internal gardens around us. Like the yeast that is mixed into the dough and the mustard seed that grows into the largest of trees, there is no stopping His expansion by way of Holy Spirit. The first step is surrender. When the heart is restored back to the Father, we must tend our internal garden just as Adam was placed in the garden and tended to it. I believe that renewal is also the tending of the internal garden. Like any good garden, it takes effort and work. Weeds desire to invade and choke out the plants from producing good fruit, much like the enemy desires to sneak into our lives, mixing in weeds among the wheat. Our busy schedules and the distraction of information directly in the palm of our hands compete with the tending of your internal garden. If the enemy cannot stop your salvation, he will be content with weeds 
that make you an unproductive son or daughter of the king. God's plan for your life makes you a necessary part of the equation in the kingdom and a dangerous weapon against the kingdom of darkness. If the enemy cannot steal your salvation, he will do his best to suppress your purpose. Pay close attention to that wording. He cannot steal your purpose, so he will try to suppress it. This means we would be allowing him to suppress it. We would have to come into agreement with the lie. Bill Johnson says, when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. The devil has no authority over believers. He has been given dominion over the kingdom of darkness. But once we separate ourselves from his domain and step into the kingdom of God, we shed the old skin of servitude. Our old selves are put to death, crucified with Christ, and we put on royal robes of righteousness. Our new king has all authority and all power, and no weapon formed against us will prosper. Our gardens require tending and renewal. A part of renewal is renewed thinking. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This verse is clear that who you were before becoming a child of the king is null and void. That person is dead and gone. With such a wonderful promise, why do we still feel like the old person is hanging around to trip us up? The enemy knows that the old life is gone, but he tries to make you believe the lie that you are still that person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. For the person belonging to God's kingdom, the enemy has zero authority. We must not grant him authority by behaving and living as though we are still our old selves. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This shows us that man is composed of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. In Genesis 2 verse 7, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The dust of the ground exemplifies body. The breath of life into man's nostrils exemplifies spirit. The man becoming a living being exemplifies soul. I want to draw your attention to the dust of the ground. 
I've always substituted dirt in my mind for this very specific word, dust. Is there a difference between dust and dirt? There is a difference. Without getting too specific, dust is soil lifted by wind. Let this paint a different picture for the creation of man rather than God grabbing two handfuls of earth and pulling it into a man. Consider a wind that lifts soil, dust, and as this swirling dust dances, God brings it into a form of a man. This wind was a necessary component for it to be qualified as dust. God caused the wind to bring dust, and God formed it into man. Consider this wind used as the participation of Holy Spirit. Then God breathed into his nostrils, and man became a living being. This tells us that man was a formed, lifeless body prior to animation by the life-giving breath of God. God breathed specifically into man's nostrils, not his mouth, but his nostrils. Interesting. This life-breathed breath turned Adam into a living being. With man's original sin in the garden, Adam and Eve broke covenant and fellowship with the Spirit of God, and they surrendered themselves to sin and death. By way of the life, death, resurrection, and enthronement of Jesus Christ, He makes available to us this new birth by way of His Holy Spirit. We break covenant with sin and death, and join our lives once again to His Holy Spirit, born again in the Spirit of God. The sinful spirit has been put to death, and a newness of life has been raised up by Holy Spirit through the shed blood and resurrected life of Jesus Christ. In this life, our body and soul still wrestle against the Spirit of God to lead our lives. This is the dynamic frustration that Paul wrote of to the Romans. Some of the good news is that we no longer live subject to the power of sin. Death no longer has a sting. If we live by this Holy Spirit's direction, we will find a continued oneness in Christ as He abides in us and we in Him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, continue to abide in Him. This is the only way we find life. Continue to seek fellowship in Jesus, Holy Spirit, and the Father. Those who have yet to give their whole being to Jesus know that this world has nothing to offer except empty promises of satisfaction that never fulfill. The fullness of life can only be found in Jesus Christ. Surrender your hearts to Him who offers you life even now. Paul writes in Galatians 2, 
verses 17 through 20. Suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. What would that mean? Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Catch this part. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He goes on to say, For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. This should bring us all such freedom. We need to sever ties with our religious mind that attempts to bind our new creature status. The religious spirit inside begins to crawl with this type of statement. Why? We think we must prove our worth or value. I had an exchange of thoughts with the Holy Spirit one day along this line. He said, do you sin? Yes, I said. Are you a sinner? He said, no. I said, what? How? He said, do you live under the law? No, I said. Are you lawless? I said, no. And he answered, a sinner is a behavior like lawlessness is a behavior. We need to change our thinking. This idea is reinforced in Galatians 2 verse 18. Rather, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. We need to lay hold of that truth. I am a sinner if. What freedom there is in this glorious reality if we would just lay hold of it. If you struggle accepting this reality, you wrestle with a performance mentality and you should allow Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. How would we enter this rest? The author of Hebrews in chapters 3 and 4 discusses what kept God's people from entering into his rest. Hebrews 3.19 says, So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. It requires trust to enter into his rest. This is not to say enter into his inactivity. Trusting in the finished work of Christ allows you to enter into his rest. Notice in verse 12, the writer calls an unbelieving heart sinful. Do not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We share in Christ if we hold firmly unto the end the confidence we had at first. Our internal garden takes tending and renewal. Colossians 3, 10-11 Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, 
slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all children of God. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Paul writes in Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This verse captures for us the absolute necessity of the renewed mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father say. His will was to do the will of the Father. Jesus demonstrated the will of the Father. The renewed mind enables us to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The word prove can mean to test, demonstrate, examine, or approve. Our renewed mind can examine, approve, and then demonstrate the Father's will. The only desire Jesus had was to do his Father's will. So should be the desire of our hearts. The renewed mind gives us access to that great and holy purpose. First comes the restored heart and the restoration of fellowship with God, the Father, through his Son, Jesus. Just as Adam was taken out of the garden after he disconnected his fellowship with God, we are all misplaced, lost orphans, until fellowship is restored through Jesus. The lost son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin are all items that were misplaced, Luke 15. They still belonged to the father, the shepherd, and the woman. Ownership was not in question. Theirs is a story of being out of place and proximity to whom they belonged. Our story is one of being misplaced until we come back into rightful nearness and relationship with God, our Father, through Jesus. Until we come back home through the gate called Jesus, we will forever be cut off from life with God, the Father. The restored heart is a heart whose relationship is restored back to the Father. The renewed heart and mind require a daily process of tending. That is the Father's delight to place within us. As that garden grows from the river of life that swells within us, it cannot keep from pouring out of our hearts, spilling into the world, changing the barren places in the lives around us. Those lives cannot help but receive nourishment from that river of life. He wants the one thing he has always wanted, every part of your heart. Open that up to him right now. Just tell him that it is all his. Tend the garden he grows from the river of his presence. See the delight he takes in his children. 
If you're not a child of his, now is the time. You may think perhaps there was a time when you surrendered, but you are not confident. You may have been far away from the Father. It is time to come home. Maybe you've been lukewarm, and the Father is saying it's time to heat up. Wherever you find yourself, He's the same loving Father who makes all things new. It doesn't take fancy words nor fancy expressions. It's a posture of your heart, a simple prayer for you. I see my need for you, Jesus. I see I have been less than what you are asking me to be. I surrender my heart and ask you to forgive my dishonor of you. Come and fill my heart and life and let your river of life flow from my new heart to the world around me. And that concludes the reading of chapter 5. I want to thank you for taking the time. I pray this blesses you. And join me next time when we start chapter 6, titled, I Am Loved. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.